Greetings, growers worldwide. Jordan River here, back with more Growcast for you. And I am an island boy. Today we have Molokai Kevin on the line. To the members, you know who this is. He's an amazing guest. He's a grower from Hawaii. He's been growing there for decades. This is a really cool deep dive into Hawaiian genetics, Hawaiian growing styles, and the island of Molokai, maybe the most unique Hawaiian island. And Molokai Kevin is plugged in. He's been growing a long time. He's an organic grower. He's had his hands on a lot of old school genetics. This episode is an awesome deep dive into Hawaii and some really cool stories. But before we get into it with Molokai Kevin, gotta give my love to AC Infinity, one of my favorite partners, acinfinity.com, code GROWCAST15. What do you find at AC Infinity? Just about everything you need to get growing, and their products are the best. They have their own engineers, and they manufacture the most sturdy, reliable products in the game. The best tents, I stand by this, the best grow tents in the game are AC Infinity tents. Code GROWCAST15 saves you 15% site-wide. The best inline fans in the game, AC Infinity fans. The S-Series has a 10-speed fan controller. It's cheaper. It's super, super nice. The Light Series is even more affordable. And then there's the nice T-Series with the controller that mounts right outside of your tent, lets you control your climate and humidity. We love AC Infinity. They also make lights and pots and scissors and ratchets and so much more. The best in the game, GrowCast stands behind them. Find everything at acinfinity.com, code GrowCast15 for 15% off. And always send us a screenshot of you using our code so you can be entered to win free seeds each and every month. That's acinfinity.com, code GrowCast15. Get your tents, get your lights, get your fans, everything you need. Some of my favorite grow gear in the game. AC Infinity, everyone. All right, let's get into it with Kevin. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, podcast listeners. You are now listening to Growcast. I'm your host, Jordan River, and I want to thank you for tuning in again today. Before we get started, as always, I urge you, share the show. Turn someone on to growing. Tell them about Growcast. You can find us on Spotify, on any podcast app, and all over the place. Always, you know the drill. To see what we're doing, go to growcastpodcast.com slash action. There you'll see the classes and the membership, which uh, may have closed its doors by now, and Seedco and all that fun stuff. So check it out, everybody. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. Hope you're doing incredible things in your garden. Today, we are taking a little trip to Hawaii. This episode has been long overdue. The members already are familiar with this guest, but a first-time guest here on the main podcast. Uh, You guys know I spent some time out in Hawaii, and it was awesome connecting with the cultivators out there. And one of my favorite people that I met out there is a man simply known as Molokai Kevin. What's up, Kevin? How are you doing, my friend? Hey, aloha, my brother Jordan. How you doing, my man? Nice to hear from you once again. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming on the show on the on the audio podcast here. So I kind of have to set the stage. Again, for the members, they're already familiar with Kevin. He's been on Growcast TV a couple of times. He's showed us around Hawaii and shown us his grow and and all sorts of fun stuff. But for the listeners... My family uh, lives out there in Hawaii, and when I go and visit, it always shocks me the deep level of cannabis culture out there. And uh, there are many Hawaiian islands, but one island in particular, Molokai, really seems to be the place where a lot of the cannabis growing took place over the years. It's like the grow hub of that area, and it's an unusual island. It's very, very low population. There's only like 7,000 people on the whole island. It's very slow. It's very quiet. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And that's where Molokai Kevin resides. And uh, how long have you been there, Kevin? Maybe we can start from the beginning. Can you talk a little bit about your history in Hawaii and also what brought you to growing, I think, before that? Uh, But please, you tell me. 
Yeah, yeah, no worries. No, um, I actually, I, I, I moved to Hawaii back in 1992 from Southern California. Wanted to get out of the Southern California and had a bunch of, <laughs> a couple of my older classmates from, from high school that already had house, a house and a gig set up on the North Shore of Oahu. And what a perfect plot to go. So I packed up all my stuff, sold my old school Dodge Challenger, moved on over to the North Shore and just... um you know, wanted to make it happen. I mean, I, the first plan I ever grew was like when I was 16 back in California, you know, all how that goes. Yeah. You know, damn dude. Growing. You've been growing forever. Yeah. So got some seeds, you know, out of some of the herb that we'd scored from my, you know, my older brother's friend. And, you know, it was just that sense of Amelia strain, you know, it was from Mexico, you know, just nothing too crazy, but you know, it was, it was a fun and, you know, half of them, we didn't know, or ask from our elbow at that point in time, you know, like, oh, what's a male? What's a female? Oh, okay, we got the female. Oh, wait, wait, no, we got males too. Oh, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> oh, we got seeds everywhere. But, you know, it just did a couple plants there. And then when I moved to Hawaii, um, why I started growing is like, gosh, you moved to Hawaii. And it was like, okay, I'm in Hawaii, damn it. This is like, you know, everybody knows about the Kona Gold and the Maui Waui and the yeah. Kauai Electric. It's like, what? And, Honestly, it was like something that I, I was drawn to, but then it also was like a necessity so I could surf most of the time and not really have to work. But little did I know it, that grown herb gorilla bush style. <laughs> was a lot, <laughs> a lot of work. You're um, like, oh man, I, I can't be working a fucking job. And next thing you know, you're lugging like a f 50 gallon reservoir on your back <laughs> through the bush. Bags of media out to the bush in the middle of the night, you know, with a spotlight and, and all that. But, um, and you know, it was kind of like a little out of necessity to kind of make some cash and survive so I could support my surfing habit. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, man. You know, and, and that's, that's where the fun began. It was a little sketchball growing back then, especially in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, I mean, any, anywhere back in the 90s, early 80s, um, you know, cultivating this fine medicinal magical herb that we have, you know, it was crazy because, you know, they wanted to put everybody in jail for life if you just grew a freaking plant. So. Right. I was surprised at how harsh Hawaii seems on cannabis. I mean, after medical legalization, it seems a little bit different now. But just a few years ago, all the way back through like the 90s, like you said, it seems like you and all the people that I talked to said, uh, no, it was really hard to grow here. They're, they had their own version of camp, their own version of uh, the, the cannabis police, right? Where they were called Green Harvest or something like that. Like you guys had it rough. Yeah, we had. I mean, they flew helicopters consistently. You know, you could never figure out there's you know, their schedule because we're in Hawaii, so we can grow year round. So, I mean, man, not only do we have eyes in the sky, but they were working with the Coast Guard and, you know, we, on Oahu is pretty much one big military base. So they would work with them to use infrared flyovers and Jeez, dude. You know, the, the DEA, you know, the military would do, you know, maneuvers and, and, and trainings in the back and, you know, they would work with the local police just to go and, you know, if they saw patches out in the bush, I mean, it was on like Donkey Kong. Sometimes they would wait, you know, set up traps and wait and try and get guys that are out there in the bush going to check on their patches. And I mean, 
crazy. Jeez, yeah, that's pretty hard. Those are some paramilitary operations. From the mainland, we get this impression like it's very cannabis friendly. They're almost like California in the early 2000s type era, you know, which also had its problem. But it's just it just seemed a little more strict than I thought. Can we take a little bit of a trip down memory lane? Let's yeah. say you're you're out there in the bush, you're growing. What were the strains that you were growing at the time? What size of operations were you working on? What was the biggest grow that you were working on back then? The biggest grow, I, I mean, when we started off, you know, it was like 50 to 100 plants. You know what I mean? We were still, you know, cloning wasn't a huge thing back then. You know, it was still a lot of people doing old school style with just seeds and just throwing them out there and then sexing them and stuff like that. So like in the early 90s, like I said, I hooked up with a bunch of old school hippies, you know, from back in the day that moved from like, you know, Northern California up to the North Shore and things like that. And those guys were like, oh, my God, like ganja gurus for, for real, you know, and a lot of guys, they had their their PhDs or their, you know, their doctorates in, in horticulture and botany and things like that. And then just kind of went in that direction, came back out here kind of, you know, get away from all society and just kind of do their thing. So we started doing a lot of clones. And so some of the strains that we got back in the day was like the original Salmon Creek Big Bud. This one called the Sage. Another one called the QJ, which was a, a quantum jump. And, you know, a lot of the old school, like, um, you know, hash strains, you know, we were... We had some ones called the Duck Feet, which was, I mean, my friend's grandfather. You know what I mean? He was like freaking 80 years old, this old Filipino man. And he had this strain, the Duck Feet, that was just ridiculous. I mean, it was like similar to, you know, the height and the, the grow time, the cultivating time of like, say, the God's Gift. But man, it was just a freaking hash berry plant. I mean, the thing was so... I mean, it just didn't matter how long you cured it. If you tried to twist a dube up with that, that thing would be like resin monster. Wow. Was that it? Now you call it the, the duck. There's a strain called duck foot that has the, th yeah. that has the weird leaves. Is it similar to that one or were the leaves normal? No, that's it. That's the one I'm talking about. Okay. Wow. So that duck foot used to turn into hash really well. Oh my God. It was just a hash plant. I mean, it was just a super sticky, just gross. I mean, that wow. thing. It's hard to roll the dew back in the day. And, you know, that was, like I said, that strain, that original strain I saw back in like 93, 94. And it just shows that, you know, there's that genetics is still around. I guarantee it's not the original genetics, right. but it's sure. primarily, you know, they've got whatever genetics they wanted out of that one and mixed and matched whatever right and it's it's still around look it even says hawaiian duck foot i, I brought up duck foot strain and the first thing that's coming up is hawaiian duck foot hawaiian duck foot wow that is fascinating i love the strains with different morphologies right they have the freak show which looks like a fern and they have yeah. the australian bastard cannabis which has like weird kind of like oregano leaves but bigger and the duck foot, I never got to try, man. That's really cool that you were growing a lot of this for its intended purpose, too. You were out in the bush, so you didn't want it to look like a five-fingered marijuana leaf. You wanted it to look yeah. like something else. We got, like, you know, a lot of the old-school strains, like the original Northern Lights, the original Skunk strains, you know, all that. They, pretty much, you know, the, a lot of the little genetics came over from, you know, the mainland. And even we had, you know, some strains, the BC from British Columbia, you know, before they got even to where they were at. 
So we got had a, a lot of those old strains, the Super Sage. And then we had the ones, you know, from over here, that from guys from, you know, from Hawaii that went to Vietnam and came back with the original Thai stick strains, you know, the right. original, you know, strains from Vietnam that really don't have a name, you know. They, one was called the Ho Chi Minh, you know, and that's just because, you know, the guy was stationed in Ho Chi Minh and right. was out there, some weed out there and bring it back. So a lot of the strains, you know, it it was just like, oh, just kind of go with whatever uncle told us it was. And sometimes <laughs> we didn't even have a name. It's just seeds, you know, it's like guys had seeds and they're like, I don't know what the strain this is. It just came from one of my patches. You still do that out there, man. Molokai strain. Everyone's telling me this is Molokai strain. That's not the, I know it's not the same strain. There's multiple Molokai strains. That's, yeah. no, that is really funny. And everyone is an uncle or an auntie in Hawaii. So that's, that's also quite funny. So uncle's got the cut or whatever, but he won't give it up. Yeah. It's crazy. And there's still lots of guys like that. You know, they, there's some old schoolers that still hold, like there's some old schoolers here that have some of the original Molokai strains and they always hold those things to heart. They don't even give them to their family. You know what I mean? It's like, it's going to go die with them. It's like, they're going, it's going to their grave. You know? <laughs> that's, that's, that's dedication, man. <laughs> that's how, you know, that's how trippy it is. But they got to realize, man, you got to spread that love. So those genetics don't disappear, you know? <laughs> well, that has happened. You know, you said you grew the skunk back in like the nineties or early two thousands Yeah. for the listener. Molokai Kevin is not, uh, intentionally not plugged into the matrix. He's not on Instagram seeing all the beef and drama in the cannabis industry. So I'm going to ask you this, Kevin, it's, it pertains to something that it's died down largely, but it was a big deal in 2022 is people were talking about roadkill skunk, old school roadkill skunk. That's that weed that smelled like a dead rotting skunk or skunk spray on the side of the road. Right. And, and yep. how, and, and the argument is that you can't find that shit anymore. That that roadkill skunk doesn't exist like it used to. Now, some people argue that's more nostalgia. Other people say it was bred out, that people don't grow it because those types of genetics were unstable. There's this whole argument going on around it. But um, the skunk that you grew, was it before it kind of became sweeter? Was it the original roadkill skunk or would you not classify it as that? I, that's like OG Bobby Johnson roadkill skunk. I mean, that stuff was so fucking stinky, nasty. And that was the problem with growing that in big patches out here. Cause Hawaii, we know more skunks. So when you have a big patch of that and that stuff is ranking, all you got to do is follow your nose and you find that bugger. I mean, wow. that's, uh, that's cause there are no skunks, so it can't be a skunk. Yeah, it can be a skunk. <laughs> Nothing smells like that. Yeah, you gave us a bunch of uh, seeds to pass out through the genetics. Super, super generous of you, man. That was that was awesome of you to, to do for the community. And uh, yeah, we appreciate that. But but they say that you know that's that you really can't find that anymore without the without the old seed stock. Yeah, I mean seriously, and you got to. I mean, I have, I have not. I mean, I've had run in with a lot of people growing, you know, quote unquote, the skunk. Nah, sorry. It, it, the closest thing it smells like is like the chem dog, you know, and right. that and that's what a lot of people I found crossed into their skunk to make it like that stinky, greasy, diesely, gross smell. But nothing compares to that roadkill. Just smells like you just got sprayed uh, skunk that used to. I mean that that's what we used to grow. One of the strains we used to grow. Man, man, oh man. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see, uh, you know, if this if the skunk wars rage on now, people are hunting for this for this turp. But uh, growing up, I had a lot of like cat piss. That was like like California cat piss weed, like 
nicer, bright green, no seeds. That's the type of like good weed that we got in like high school, but we didn't get much skunk out in Chicago. Yeah. Right before I was leaving California, you know, we got hooked up with a bunch of older cats that were from Canada. You know what I mean? And they were bringing down some of the Canadian indoor herb, you know, the BC and some other strains that I couldn't even, I, that, that I don't even remember. And that's when it started to really be like, ooh, look at this stuff. High quality stuff. That. Yeah, high yeah. quality, big, you know, healthy, just because everybody was growing indoors up there. Right. You know what I mean? And still, California, you know, even though it was, the, you know, the Green Triangle and NorCal and Humboldt and all that stuff, there wasn't all that many big, big indoor growers in the 90s, in the late 80s. You know what I mean? If If they were... I mean, it, it it was definitely wasn't making it out all that much to certain areas. It was more controlled. But right. then when the guys from Canada started just going nuts, I mean, we got a lot of that in Southern California. So that was really interesting. Yeah, there's that link, man, bef- between California and Hawaii, going all the way back to the the Brotherhood of Eternal Love and like all their work in the cannabis industry and trading genetics. And now you're talking about the NorCal growers, like moving out there, like during that part of the generation and teaching people all sorts of cultivation science. It's very, very interesting, that West Coast and Hawaiian connection. But yeah, I, I, I love this idea of you out in the in the bush, like doing this gorilla style for a living for a long time. That must have been pretty wild. Did you ever get close to getting caught or anything like that? Do you have any stories, uh, like I said, lugging stuff or getting running from oh, the cops? Yeah. yeah, I mean, gosh. There's been a, more than a handful of times out there, you know. Um, usually, where we were growing, luckily, I was working with some old school cats, some big Hawaiian families that had, they're, they're as they say, no scared cause out here. Um, you know, they're Hawaiians, and this, <laughs> this is their land. I don't what? give a, f- yeah, I don't give a fuck if the military put a chain across this gate. We getting back there. You know what I mean? <laughs> And so, you know, we had a pretty good, like, I would be considered, you know, the young buck considered to the guys that I was working with. Uh And so, you know, we would have lookouts and things like that to look for helicopters and look off for Green Harvest guys, the DEA and those guys parked in certain areas and things like that. But the Green Harvest, those helicopters, man, those, those guys can just pop up out of nowhere. And if you're out in the bush and we've had that happen where we were just just ready for harvest i mean we were all out there ready to go we had our machetes our loppers and we we're getting to good to go and then next thing you know all we hear is tuk, 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 tuk. and usually they do three helicopters two uh what they are is the two fire fire department helicopters which they're bright green and then they have a coast guard guy that comes out and he's got the infrared and then they just do these scans and man, they just popped right on top of us. What and at that fuck? point in time, it was just run because they will drop down and they will like repel, you know, like you see what? in the movie. Oh, yeah. And they will drop. They usually have two to four guys per helicopter. And then what they do is they have guys working on the ground. And so they run coordinates. And next thing you know, they've got, you know, the stormtroopers, as we call them coming towards the patch and they do, you know, their full military tactics, try and surround you and stuff like that. But, you know, we've been back in the bush 
way longer than these knuckleheads. <laughs> so, you know, we know where the pig trails go. We know where there's, you know, little caverns and crazy places that we can hide. And I mean, we were probably like, you know, two minutes away from um, all of us getting incarcerated. And the, the crazy thing was, is, you know, some of the old school cats that I work with were all ex-military vets. Right. And, you know, those guys set booby traps. You know what I mean? Like they weren't like booby traps where, oh, they were freaking booby fuck traps. Fuck you up, booby like, traps. Fuck you up, booby traps. Like you fucking come across those booby traps, you're probably either going to die or lose a limb. You know what I mean? Jeez. These guys were like ordinance, you know, things like that to that nature, you know, and, and that just shows you. You know, everybody thinks, well, man, all these just, just these hippies growing weed and peace, love, and harmony is like, not <laughs> like that, partner. I mean, because some of these guys, this was their living. This is how they supported their family, and they had a big families. So, you know, we used to, there was a saying, you know, Uncle Charlie said, what, bro? We always grow tree, one for us. One for the cops and one for the rippers cost. You know what I mean? And that's how it was. You know, we'd have to do that. We'd have to set up three crops for, you know, just to make it. And it wasn't just us, you know. There was other guys, you know, cropping out in the bush too. And they took it serious, just as serious. So people would respect certain areas. Like if if you, you know, were one of the crew, everybody kind of had their own designated spots. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there's always some fucking knucklehead or some fucking guy that's always like, especially rippers, you know, guys that are on drugs, you know, hard drugs, trying to go out into to the bush and rip people's shit off so they can go buy fucking ice or bad drugs and things like that, you right. know. And, and that would just ruin it for for everybody because next thing you know, you know, those guys go out into the bush and they just ruin everybody's spot and make it hot and get conflict between everybody but yeah and, i mean we had plenty of times where i mean even on molokai we were out doing a little, we had about a 2000 2500 plant fucking little operation going and uh same thing there were they weren't supposed to be flying green harvest and next thing you know poop and you know how molokai is not too many places to go running high. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's, I mean, what you can drive from one side of the island to the other in like 90 minutes. It's so small. What do you do? Yeah. You got to hide. Yeah. You can't run. You have to hide. Yeah. Not too many trees and foliage on this side of the island to go run and hide from. So, you know, just like that, it was like, oh, holy shit. Here they come. Uh, what do we do? Well, just, just, fucking go you know what i mean just go get in the car and just go Jeez. or you know try and make it lead yourself away from it and get to a spot where you can huddle down and but you know there's some people that i work with we're like fuck it bro i'm just gonna wait for them <laughs> you've told me about them. this before one of them one of your friends just sat there and was like fuck it fuck it yeah i mean i i won't i won't give him his out his name, but man, I'll give you his first name. I'm motherfucking crazy. His name is Chris. <laughs> he, he's local brother, just full on. It's like, fuck it, I'll just go wait for him. <laughs> you guys you guys go. I'm going to wait for him. And he fucking waited for him and had a fucking discussion with them and was like, no, 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 but you know, come on, why don't you, and I swear to God, man, he like negotiated a fucking, it was like he was negotiating a UN meeting. He <laughs> 
And we could not believe it. We made Did it he end up doing the- jail time? No, fuck no. That's crazy. They <laughs> did fucking harvested all the big fucking plants with all the colas and left all the starters and, and all the cakes. And it, you know, sometimes it makes you wonder. It's like, where did all that we go? You know what I mean? Like, hang on now. You guys didn't burn it over here. You just wrapped it up in a big, huge freaking net and hauled it off somewhere. And, you know, lots of rumors going around that that stuff just went back on the street sold by the police. No kidding, man. No kidding. It wouldn't be the first time if that did happen. (laughs) Yeah, right. Jeez, that is the legend of Molokai Chris, the fucking the the hostage negotiator. He was like, oh, yeah. He's like, come on, man. It was was pretty crazy. But, you know, I had to distance myself from that cat because I, (laughs) you know, I don't like everybody to know my business. You know what I mean? Um, And that guy was like, oh, shit, you'd be seen with him. You're like, yeah, bingo. I know who you are now. Bingo, I know who you are now. The 2500 plant bust. Molokai is kind of the, I know that there's, there's cannabis grown on every island, but would you say that Molokai is the most cannabis per capita? Just because how few people there are on it? Yeah, I definitely have to say that. I mean, definitely. I mean, you've been over here. Everybody's got weed in their yard. Right. I mean, every, everybody's got weed in their yard. Well, now it's now you can go get a card. You can go get a medical card. Um, it would be cooler if you could just grow it, like, recreationally. Mm-hmm. But um, at least people can go get a card, right? And grow how many plants yeah. at home? Uh, Ten plants. <laughs> that's not bad. No, ten plants. And that's what people do here. They just get a hooey. Or a, a, a collection of people and put all the cards on one spot. Oh, you're still allowed to stack cards, too? That's not bad, either. That's good stuff. Yeah. So you can be a caregiver, too, you know, a care provider. So you can grow for other people. That's they're huge. trying to get a, They're trying to get away from that because the problem is, is people are exploiting that. Yeah. To a, a point where people got to understand once you go past 99 plants, it becomes a federal deal. Whereas, you know, if you keep it under 100, you know, the state's going to be like, eh, okay, cool. But once you start popping over 100 plants and just rubbing people's noses in it, that's when they start to get a little pissy. It's the same thing Wolfman says is that like 100 plant differentiator. Yeah. Um, but I do like the caregiver programs. If you can, hey, if you limit it to nine people, I still support that caregiver program. Oh, heck yeah. Very interesting, though. Yeah, super, super interesting. So you're allowed to grow. You can get a medical card, but still no recreational if you get busted. Still no recreational. But see, this is the crazy thing is it actually passed the house here for recreational, but it never made it to get signed yet. So I think what they're doing is they're still working out the logistics on who can make the most money uh, once it goes recreational. Right. Monsatan, a few years back, (laughs) a.k.a. Monsanto Buyer now, they've push legislation through try to actually push it through here in the state where they would be the only uh, commercial cannabis grower in the whole state oh jesus actually actually producing the product yeah producing i forgot if we talked about this on this show or growcast tv but that is a wild leap and hawaii is kind of their little test subject they operate a lot out of hawaii yeah we're just fucking uh, what they call it is parent seed this is where they do all their fucking crazy genetic fucking research to fucking wreak havoc on the rest of the fucking goddamn world. <laughs> Shit, I, sh- I shouldn't laugh, but I have a dark sense of humor. No, I mean, it's fucking, 
Yeah. <laughs> we so. live in the in the dystopian future for sure. But I've seen it. I've I've seen it there, and uh, and and yeah, the the people don't like it. Let me tell you that the locals don't dig it. No, that would be the end of everybody that's grown herb in the whole state. I mean, it would just be devastating. What other industry are you allowed to do that in? That's insane. I'm glad that didn't become a thing, and I hope that they don't do anything like it because that's it's just wild. We need to go the other direction, back towards like a farmers market type yeah. direction, which Hawaii does well, you know, it would go, it, it would go well with that agricultural mindset. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just all politics, you know, this is a, like, um, you know, I helped start a, a, a gig called GMO free Hawaii many moons ago, many moons ago. And, um, one of our first panelists was Mike Gabbard and Mike Gabbard was, you know, a local politician, you know what I mean? And, um, he came and did one of our our, our our panels and we was on on our local television channel and we had a, a great turnout. But um, and he's a great proponent for anti-GMO. But after our first one, he uh, had a meeting with us. And he's like, sorry, I can't ever do these ever again. And he goes, you know, my personal opinion is, yeah, it's evil. It's the devil and this, that and the other. But agriculture in Hawaii is political. The agricultural side of Hawaii is innately politicized. Yeah, and I met with the you know head of Department of Agriculture. We had a hemp conference a while ago, and I've met with him a bunch of times. And every word out of his mouth is like, Kevin, before we start this conversation one more time, let me tell you, agriculture is political in the state of Hawaii. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> yeah, man. God damn it. It should not be that way, you know? No, it should not politicize growing a plant, any plant, really, but it's, it becomes no. that way. Yeah, and it all started with uh, our, our governor or mayor. His name was Ben Cayetano back in the day. And he solicited these GMO farmers and big ag farmers to come to the state and wrote all kinds of legislation that actually when they came here, it was like Hawaii State was paying them to be here. Mm. It was very, very interesting. Interesting. Agriculture in Hawaii has been interesting since the dawn of... Since the, uh, since the dawn of Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Ever since there's been agriculture here in the in the state, man, it's got it's got such a rich and deep history that that's what always amazes me about talking to you and growers like you is there's just so much going on in this place that feels like another world. <laughs> yeah, Especially it's crazy too. I don't know. I guess when it comes to tropical plants, you know, they thrive in that type of climate. But it's not an easy place to grow things. Like, right? If you well, throw your average polyhybrid strain. Out in Hawaii, a lot of times it's going to struggle. All right, we'll be right back with Molokai Kevin. But before that, shout out to the FOOP, everybody. The FOOP, organic fish waste-based nutrients, foliars, cloning, and more. Use code GROWCAST at thefoop.com always. And this month, the FOOP is releasing its mist refill gallon. That's right, you know I love the FOOP mist, this ready-to-use, microbiologically enriched, full-spectrum foliar spray that's going to have every nutrient that your plant needs, plus a ton of microbiology. You guys use the FOOP mist in veg, you absolutely love it. And now, FOOP has the mist ready-to-use refill. It's a one-gallon jug, and that means it's ready to go. You can put it in your bottle and get back to spraying that beautiful FOOP mist. First of all, the concentrate is designed for large commercial growers to use in a backpack, so that saves you guys a lot of time. But FOOP knows that a bunch of growers are refilling the 32-ounce bottles with the FOOP mist concentrate. Now you can go ahead and grab this gallon of FOOP mist refill. It's my favorite foliar spray in my garden. I absolutely love it. If you're using Foop Mist on your indoor plants and you're mixing it up trying to save money, 
you're gonna be much happier with this ready-to-use refill. Also, the amount of peppermint oil is gonna be different in the concentration mix with the ready-to-use mix. You got plenty of that peppermint oil. Keeps your garden smelling minty and fresh. Helps with IPM. We love that peppermint oil in the Foop Mist. So check it out right now, thefoop.com. Code GROWCAST for 15% off. And Foop is running an awesome promotion this week. You can get a free Foop Mist and a free jug of refill with every order over $100. So thefoop.com, code GROWCAST, order over 100 bucks, and you get yourself an awesome gallon of Foop Mist refill. We love the Foop certified organic, all natural, all based on fish waste. It's got everything you need. Thefoop.com, always use code GROWCAST. Be healthy, go organic, and use Foop. Maybe this is a good time to talk about how it's been growing there and what it's like growing there in the climate, right? Especially yeah. Molokai, because people get the wrong idea. They think about Hawaii, they think about the big island, which is more, you're thinking like a rainforest type scenario. And Molokai, although there is a rainforest portion, I believe, right? It's it's yeah. it's a different scene. It's like red dirt there. It's like growing on Mars. Yeah, pretty much. Like on Oahu, we used to grow out in the bush. It was lush and beautiful. I mean, the soil back there was amazing. And there's lots of, lots of foliage growing out in the bush, a lot of different fruit, wild fruit things. You know, we have mountain guavas and things like that. So whatever would drop in the ground, it would get rooted up. And then we got wild pigs and things like that. So nature would produce this unbelievable soil and ecosystems back on, you know, on Oahu, where I was growing back in the mountains out in the North Shore and other areas. But coming here to Molokai, like you said, so much iron oxide so much iron inside this dirt i mean the dirt is like red you get that stuff on anything and you're you're stained so you know it, it was a learning curve but the thing is is like when i got here when we were doing projects we first started off with shipping over lots of you know media you'd buy it by the pallets potting mix like living soil potting mix type stuff yeah you know what is that sunshine mix number three and number four and stuff sure, like that sure. So we would bring that over here in the pallets and then, you know, we would work that into the soil to add some organic matter. And then, of course, you know, add the dam and things like that. But, you know, after being here for a little bit, I started to realize we have everything here to amend our soil to make it beautiful. Because, you know, when we get lots of rain, it comes down the wash offs. We get all the, you know, lava phosphate and all the super fine lava and then. Damn. You get all the different, different millions of different layers of different soil and everything come down the sides of the mountain. And, you know, funny thing was, is like, you know, the city and counties would scrape the sides of the road and put these in big piles. And I'd be the cat on the side of the road with two 55 gallon drums in the back of my car, you know, filling it up. At, you know, I'd fill up one and then go down the next and people would be driving by and kind of tripping out on what I was doing. And, you know, then I'd go down to the beach and wait for the tides to come in and out. And then I'd be scooping up five-gallon buckets of of what we call, you know, ogo or um, nori, which is sea kelp. Damn, you got kelp. Yeah. You got yeah. FAA. You got fish carcasses, I'm sure, out the wazoo. Exactly, you know. And then I'd just be like, it's going to take a little bit to do this. But, man, when it's a passion, you get all those things together as the right combinations and you add that to this red soil over here. It's dynamite. Wow, man. It's dynamite. But it was difficult, like the learning curve, you know, like we were talking about earlier with the, some of the strains that I, you sent over here um, for me to pop. It's it's a little different, you know, some harsh of them, climate. Yeah, it's a little harsh climate. Um, 
But once they get acclimated, you know, this place is unbelievable. You know, you felt the sun out here. The sun out here is ridiculous. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's the Hawaiian sun. Nothing quite like it. But it's funny, the difference island to island. And you're saying that learning curve just going from one island to another. You're telling me that when you plugged into the ground in the rainforest of of Oahu, where the fungal networks have been established for, you know, eons and and you're tapping into all that bacteria. Did you even really amend with any fertilization? Like, did you add minerals or did you literally just add your beneficial microbes and plug it into the dirt? Yeah, that was pretty much it. That's I crazy. Mean, there was no need. You know what I mean? There was nothing. I mean, there, you know, in areas and we would rotate our crops in certain areas. But I mean, there was no need. That stuff was back there. It was like untouched, perfect like I say, perfect neutral soil. You know what I mean? Everything and anything that you need to grow any type of plant, any type of thing in the ground right then, there and ready to go. You know, it's like the perfect no till bed. It's it's like making the absolute perfect no till gardening system because there was no tilling. Not. And that's just that's so crazy. And then switch to another natural ecosystem that's just not as hospitable to the things that we want equally as beautiful equally as as crazy and and foreign and exotic but um way harder to grow in with that high iron red dirt that plants will just die in if their roots hit when they're young it's so hot it's just just wild man really really cool so like you were saying you do more amending out there um but you mentioned the bam i feel like this is a good time to talk about bam you brought this up on uh, a member podcast once and Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a whole history behind it that you like to share. Can you talk about the uh, beneficial anaerobic microbes? Said it. Yeah. So, so the BAM uh, was actually it was it. There's a, a, a Dr. Tetsuo Higa from Japan was given the task by the Japanese government to discover or put together a beneficial microorganism to help inoculate, clean up. Um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki soil after it being toxic so long from the unfortunate event of a nuclear, you know, attack by the United States. Right. All the radiation. All the radiation. And so Dr. Tetsuo came up with his form of a beneficial microbe that he used to start inoculating the soils and around the reefs. They, you know, and a lot of the prefixes in Japan, another problem was that, you know, everybody in Japan, a lot of their runoff water from their sinks and things like that would go out into the ocean and you know rice is a huge prevalent part of their diet out there and you know i don't know not so much in the in the mainland but everybody out here doesn't eat uncle ben's you know what i mean yeah the rice they get is like you know old school rice in a bag and so you have to wash your rice before you cook it yeah good good botan rice i'm a big rice fan hawaii has some good fucking rice Man, we got we got it all out here. So all that sugary runoff would go out into the oceans, and they figured they'd have all these algae blooms that were oh. taking over, pulling off all the reefs. No shit. And so, so yeah, and so Dr. Tetsuya tried. To, he was the original one that made bokashi balls. I don't care. Everybody's got bokashi, bokashi. Dr. Tetsuya Higo was the first OG Bobby Johnson to ever come up with bokashi balls. He was the first originator. Wow. And so he would inoculate these Bokashi balls and put them outside in the ocean. And they realized that this fucking awesome beneficial was breaking down all the fucking bad algaes. So that led into, you know, him doing more research. 
Well, lo and behold, an old gentleman that I met during my career as 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 growing was his Uncle Harry. Uncle Harry was an old school, not no college education, was in the military, was in Okinawa back in the 60s when uh, Dr. Higa was actually over there doing some tests with his beneficial microbes. And so Uncle Harry was originally from the Big Island. He was a pig farmer, a farmer, you know, old school cat, Japanese cat. He learned from Dr. Tetsuhiga how to culture his special form of beneficial microbe. Then Uncle Harry was a health and wellness cat, you know, uh, came back to Oahu. And, you know, he had his own little pig farm and things like that. And he was actually working with the beneficial microbe to for a lot of it for animal husbandry. You know what I mean? He raised, pasture raised pigs. And so he wanted to raise his animals the healthiest and the best way he could. Oh. So he was worked on culturing his form of the BAM. And he spent 20 years tweaking on that little magic stuff. And um, by the time I met him, he had created his own master beneficial microbe and that beneficial microbe if you, if you know microbes you know most microbes only have a shelf life to 30 to 45 days for their activity level well uncle harry's came up with a little symbiotic home for those microbes to lay dormant and get activated when they're introduced to oxygen and his levels stay active from anywhere from seven to almost 10 years just as active from the first day he created Jeez. it. It's uh, a cellular steroid for your plant. It helps break down hard carbons, pesticides, herbicides, and fungicides, and neutralizes those and turns those into CO2 and water vapor. Wow. So we would use that, you know, in areas to inoculate our soils because, yeah, back in some spots where we were growing, they did, the military started to have a presence. You know what I mean? So... We, anywhere we would go, we'd use that BAM to inoculate our soils to help break down, you know, activate and break down whatever toxins were in there, but also to activate and kick up the boost of whatever beneficials were already existing in the soil. You know, it works together with beneficials. It, you know, it doesn't attack. I mean, I drink the stuff to this day. <laughs> That's right. A lot of people consume these effective microorganisms. So that's wild. It does. It has a wide variety of beneficial effects on the soil, but then it's also used in, like you said, other agricultural yeah. farms. Like they feed it to livestock. You can take it. So you do a grow that's based around this product. You do a nice, rich, organic soil, and then you add this beneficial anaerobic microbe. And is that about it? I mean, I'm sure you have some other things that you do with, you know, pest control and stuff. But that's the that's primarily the core of your grow style. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, like I said, I try and utilize everything. I've, you know, I'm one of those guys that nature has has and provides everything we need. So let's use that. And, and you know, we've I've kind of come up with a with a great little formula for my soil out here from what I have. So, like I said, you know, I go and get the ogo and the the kelp and the seaweed from the ocean. I get this additives from the rock phosphate, from lava phosphate, from the sides of the road. And, um, you know, I do my own little mix and match and add the BAM inside that to help break that down and activate more. Yeah, you know, that's pretty much it. We got, I use some fish emulsion 
you know, make our own because, you know, everybody goes fishing and diving out here. So I tell people that do save their guts. I'll take those. And, you know, there's chicken fighters out here, lots of chickens. So there's a lot of uh, nitrogen from the chickens, you know, and, you know, I got buddies that, like I say, horse manure is probably one of the, the best, best additives to soil. I mean, it never will burn your plants. And if you guys got, if you got pasture raised horses, oh my goodness. That's the good stuff, their, huh? Their shit is the shit <laughs> as an additive. And then here we got deer. So if you're lucky, you can get some deer, deer shit and add that into there too. And you got, you got yourself a pretty good, pretty good recipe. mix. Yeah. Pretty good mix. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. The deer shit. It's everywhere. It's pelletized. It's ready to go. The Molokai so deer hot. shit. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's not hot whatsoever. I mean, you could pretty much take that straight from the, from as soon as they shit it out, you could pretty top dress it on a plant and start <laughs> watering. You don't have to worry about anything. It's exactly what I hear, right? The pelletized poops are, are like that. I'm seriously, it's crazy. I mean, it's next near, I mean, straight from the, straight from the farm, right out the boot. Straight, <laughs> straight from the right tap. Thing. Straight from the tap, you know what I mean? You can straight add it to your soils and it goes off. Oh, shit. Pretty much it. And, you know, we do have a slaughterhouse down here. And, um, you know, I baffled the slaughterhouse guy because I went in there one day and I was like, hey, man, uh, what do you do with all your, your, your you know, when you run, when you're cutting meat? Uh, what do you do with all your bone, you know, your bone tailings? He was like, what, what do you mean? I was like, you know, all, you know, all your shit that comes off of your saws and all the stuff that. It's like, oh, I don't know. We just throw it away. I was like, yeah, save it for me. I'll come and get it. Like, I was like, what is that? And I was like, man, you have no idea. That's gold. You know, bone meal, blood meal right there on your saws. Come on now. And it's an organic, free-range pasture fed. So sometimes once in a while, go get that. Just throw that in there to add a little flavor to it. Little slaughterhouse bone meal flavor, baby. It's, everything's yeah, so yeah. local. You're, you're sourcing from from around you, which is what, you know, what people do when they're on an island and importing things has become so much more difficult. Yeah. It really defines the grow style. It's just a crazy, you know, exotic, unique place to grow. And I do know folks over here that, you know, still use chemicals, chemical fertilizer, pure chemical fertilizers out here um, for, for their grow, because there's different reasons for why people grow. Some people do it as a passion and some people do it for monetary and they just want just want a turnover rate, you know what I mean? And the least they have to do, did better for them, you know? So I do know some guys out here and you can tell the difference, you know, there's people growing the same strains and there's people doing it, you know, as green as possible. And then there's other guys that are, are doing it a little more of a chemical style fertilizer, you know, um, it's a little different. You can always tell the difference. You can tell the difference. But it seems to me like there's more organic farmers than most places in Hawaii. I see a lot of soil growers. You're right. There are some people using bottled salts, but I was surprised at how many people are growing in soil in Hawaii. And you've got some unique characters out there, man. Oh, God. Really? Truly. I mean- I mean that in the best possible way. And you talk about you know these other people like Pineapple Dave and I mean, these oh, these are yeah. in, these are interesting people. You've told me about a couple of like big Hawaiian names that I, I'd like to give their credit uh, on the show. I believe you were telling me that they had a big impact on Hawaiian genetics. 
and, and Hawaiian genetics getting out places. But is there anybody you want to talk about as far as impacting Hawaiian cannabis, uh, you know, big names, big players, legends of the industry? Well, you know, these guys, are, like I said, I can't really don't want to give out too many crazy names, but like Pineapple Dave, like I said, he he was an old schooler that came from North California. You know what I mean? He'd been growing herbs since he was knee high to a grasshopper. And I'm I'm going to be 50 and he's man, he's going to be dang. <laughs> he's going to be 60. He's going to be old. 60. He's going to be 65. So he came over and he was one of the guys, like I said, bring a lot of that, like the OG Salmon Creek Big Bud, uh, the Northern Lights, the Skunk. You know, he brings some ones from Nepal, the Super Sage, the Sage. He was one of the original guys, I mean, that I work with that that did make an impact, especially on Oahu and busting out those genetics. Over here, there's one that we'll call him the General. <laughs> okay, so I've heard about this. Hold on. Yeah. Molokai. Is someone yeah. named the only known as the general? I think he tried to sell me insurance once. What, what's the deal yeah, with the definitely. general? Yeah, the general. And he was one of those cats that came back from Vietnam, you know, and bring some of the old, old original strains. Oh, from that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and then, you know, crossed them with, with whatever else was over here from other cats, you know, um, and created, you know, the Molkai Red. The Molokai, oh gosh, what was the other one? You know, Molokai doesn't have too many specific names. You know, the Molokai Red is is one of the ones that is still by far the most sought after. And I would say the most known over here because most everybody has the same genetics here on this island because everybody's related in one form or fashion. And there's not a lot of availability to other types of strains. Now that these other seed banks that came out and started distributing seeds and people like, you know, guys from Hawaii, you know, there's more people that move away from Hawaii that live in Hawaii. And so a lot of old schoolers and went to, say, Washington State or, you know, up there in Washington and Oregon and bring some of those strains from up in Washington and Oregon back here and started crossing. And making their own little strains and things like that. I think there's a seed company in Oregon that's supposedly selling a strain from Molokai. I think it's like the Gorilla Goose crossed with something else. I forget that one, actually. Yeah, and then the Molokai Frost was another one that came up a lot and made its way to the, yep, the main the, list. The Molokai Frost. And, you know, and that, that one for me is kind of funny because it doesn't get cold worth the shit out here. And um, I should have called it something else. But yeah, that <laughs> it's kind of like one of those uh, an oxymoron. I guess I guess so, right? I, I assume it's the trichome coverage that's frosty. But yeah, I mean, you're right. No, and that one they could have called, called it the Molokai heat. Yeah, the Molokai heat or something. Something, <laughs> but, but that was because they took an original Molokai strain and crossed with the the Alaskan thunderfuck. Ah, so. I so that's that's my belief. That was where I found out where the genetics come from. So now I don't know if that's what they're touting sure. it, but that's where the Alaskan. Because a lot of people here go to Alaska for fishing for for to make money and then come back when the season's over. Oh, and so a lot of guys back in the day were bringing back the Alaskan thunderfuck, bringing back those genetics. So that's because that, yeah. I heard you know contentious originating um theories on the frost but that one makes sense the the atf coming from alaska so that's what yeah. you heard huh 
Yeah, you know, and that's. I'm not saying my guy was 100, percent but that dude is pretty. Uh, I mean, he—that's what he used to grow back in the day. So, if he says it, I'm going to take his word for it. But there are a few folks still out here that um, are creating their own. You know, like I said, the Sunday Driver is a huge hit out here. People love that Sunday Driver. Yeah, and they the, do. It's all over Hawaii, man. I mean, the Sunday Driver is just the go-to. It just loves it being out here. But there's guys crossing the Sunday driver with the Gorilla Goo, you know, and trying to create their own deals. You know, some of the the best guys that are growing out here are all chicken farmers because they breed chickens, you know. And it's pretty funny because when I talked to them, I was like, you know, you guys, you guys breed chickens, right? And they're like, yeah. And I said, no wonder why these guys are so good at, at your genetics for your wheat because wheat and chickens are just the same thing. You're breeding birds, you're breeding herbs, same thing. <laughs> And they never put it together, you know what I mean? And they're like, oh, bro, that's right, huh? And I'm like, yeah, are you guys good at this? Guys are creating your own genetics because you guys breed your chickens. You guys take like three, four, five different chickens that you want the genetics for, and you breed those ones back into this one and this one back into that one. Then you take the mother of this one and then the sister of that one, and then they're like, ah. <laughs> So there's uh, there's a lot of crossing going on. I like I like that when people make their own seeds. It makes sense, you know. People very self sufficient on Molokai might as well breed your own seeds. So you have seeds forever. Yeah, I mean there are there are a couple seed guys over here on this island, but they do it for the different reasons. I think they're more monetary. They're not really about caring about stabilization and selling quality. They're just going for quantity. Um, so I I don't like to just you know support <laughs> any any seed company specifically <laughs> i hear you i i appreciate the uh the respect but i think i hear you loud and clear on yeah. that one man yeah. hawaii is it's is a crazy it's a crazy place too because you guys are growing with a wild light schedule you're doing light supplementation yeah. instead of light deprivation so that you're you're holding your plants in veg uh, it's just it's just a very unique place you can grow all year round very cool yeah it's totally different you know when we first came to molokai back in the day it was like it was old school growers you know what i mean they would just just take seed just take seed and, and just throw fucking thousands of seeds out and hopefully go and sex them all and then just let them go you know and oh man the ratio to just pure plants was just nuts you know you get freaking a couple a couple males pop out in the whole thing and next thing you know everything is seeded you know we worked with a couple when we first got here you know we we're we were pretty much i'm not going to tout it and say we were the first guys but we we came over here and started showing how people how to clone and do lots of clones you know to do just consistency you yes. know at this point in time it was about making a little bit of money so we wanted consistency and you know and, and cutting down the time yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's a game changer when you get that cloning, yeah. That yeah. cloning capability. And, and I will bring up Chris once again, the negotiator. You know, it, we we had, did a big pass with him, and we're like, "Listen, man, you know, you cannot do your old school strains by just throwing seeds out there and, and hoping that you're going to sex them all. Because if these guys pollinate, they're going to ruin all our crop. You know." Nah, 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 no, no, I won't go do it. I promise. Nah, nah, we're going to do them just like this. Come back, check on him. What does he do? He's got this fucking same old school mentality. Just <laughs> put 
and fucking couldn't help himself. And um, fucking next thing you know, we got fucking male pollen and comes down. We got 36 pounds of fucking seeded weed. No. And he's like, oh, whoa. Well, what can we do with it? It's like, fuck. I don't know. I don't know anybody wants to buy this shit. I guess you know what you're doing. You're going to be bubble hashing that shit for days. <laughs> yep. That is the answer. Extracts, edibles are big now. Probably weren't as big back then. No, it was a nightmare. It's like, bro, come on. We wasted all this time, energy, thousands of dollars in time, electricity, and ah, la, la, la. And he was like, oh, but I thought, no, that we told you. You know, and that's some of the mentality. Some people just still want to pop old school style. It's too funny, man. You know, and um, which is fine if you're meticulous and you go through all your plants and you just make sure that they're all females and you don't have any hermaphrodites. And so it it stills for some folks, you know, they think that shit is witchcraft. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you get people old school growers tend to like their ways, you know, you know what I mean? Sometimes they might pull a fast one on you like good old Chris. Yeah. That's why he's the yeah. negotiator. And we, you know, ready. we had, you know, and we'd set up and we came out here and we, you know, set up solar lights outside so we can supplement the lights. And people are like, why are you doing that? You're going to, it's like, if you don't know, you don't know. And then, you know, people would start asking questions. And next thing you know, if you drive over here, if you drive a fly to Molokai at nighttime and come in, you will see that 90% of everybody is supplementing their lives with solar lights. What are all point. these floodlights in people's backyards? What's going on? Is it like Christmas time? What's, what's happening here? What's going on? And, uh, that was a full game changer, you know, because before the solar lights and things like that, you know, we get short season over here and your plants don't grow, but maybe, you know, hip high. Right. They just flower naturally from the like 12, 12, right? It's, it's like yeah. always 12, 12 down there about. So yeah. they just flower really early. They just super flower. So the whole supplementation with the lights to keep them going was a fucking game changer. You know, I used to keep, even when I used to do my stuff on the indoor before I bring them out, you know, it was 23 hours of straight light. You know what I mean? Right. And then pop them outside and I'd get them to the height that I wanted because I knew as soon as I put them outside three days later, those suckers were already flowering. Man, I am excited to come back. You know, I was just out there visiting and uh, it's so cool. Next time we'll have to do some video in some of the bigger grows. If I could ever take a look at some of the other local grows, maybe some of the larger scale grows, I would really like that, man. Take some footage. We don't even need to have anybody else in it if you want to do it anonymously. I don't know. I, I I would really love to come back and get deeper into the cannabis community there. Yeah, definitely. You know, here's the, some of the people are a little like, you know, close chested. They're kind of afraid of, but there's some cool cats out here that I would love to introduce you to. Yeah. Even some 10 plant growers. I, I'd, I'd just love to see more of that cannabis community. Yeah. And, you know, just recently, you know, we don't haven't had green harvest in a long time, but, you know, there's a little, there's jealousy and animosity out here. You know what I mean? I mean, like anywhere you go, but since we're such a small island, um, some people get jealous and, um, we had a green harvest about three weeks ago and they came in and just raided, selected certain growers and nabbed them all. Damn. Were people arrested or did they just crush the plants and go? No, this is another funny thing. 
they didn't do anything but take the plants. What? Get out yeah. of here. Nobody got arrested. They got tickets, though, so they're all going to have to go to a federal court because everybody had over 100 plants. Jeez. You know, some people had, you know, some people had 90 pounds of weed. Some people had 60 pounds of weeds, but they all had over 100 plants. Wow. And, you know, rumor goes around that certain people, you know, pointed fingers or gave, you know, the heads up and blah, blah, blah. And it goes to that corruption thing where, you know, it just shows that still to this day, even though people can be cool and grow their own herb, there's still this full animosity towards other people that might be doing a little bit better than them. You know what I mean? And still this threat in 2023 that you might get, you know, camp or green harvest kicking down your door. Yeah. That's nuts that they, I mean, they're, they're going to have their day in court, but they left them with tickets and they took their plants. That's wild. Yeah. And it just so happens that my, one of my friends owns the air transport company over here. And they put it on their planes and took it back to Oahu. Jesus Christ, man. It's, it's a world unlike any other out there. It seems like it kind of runs on its own rules even at times. And it's, it's diff It feels like a different country or a different world. So yeah, we call, we call Molokai third world Molokai. It's the wild, wild west of the Pacific. That is how it feels, man. It is definitely some something like n nowhere else in the whole United States, let alone even in the state. That's the whole crazy part about it. But it's, I think, the most awesome place in uh, in the United States. I mean, but then again, that's personal preference for me. <laughs> you can say you're allowed to say it, man. That was cool. You were right there. <laughs> you're never moving. You're staying there forever. Ah, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm pretty sure this is where they're going to put my cremation is under a Pakalolo plant. Put your bones? And, uh, and top, yeah. Top dress with your bone dust? Top dress with my bone dust. <laughs> uh, that's, what, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, I have a daughter and she's, she's now migrated to the mainland. Um, you know, but as of now, I, I'm pretty happy here. You know, this place, is, it called me. And uh, doing some cool things here, you know, with the community. And um, yeah, I, I love it. There's a, uh, it's a place to free your mind and also grow some awesome herb. <laughs> Man, I, I love this little glimpse into the, into the world of Molokai. It seems so deep. So just to get a, just to get an hour interview and, and talk about this, this unique cannabis culture was absolutely incredible from growing there to the genetics and. It's cool to talk to a cat like you, man. This is this is a Growcast exclusive, so it's it's really neat. Um, you, no. don't, you don't have an Instagram to drive anyone to or a website or anything. You're just out there. You're doing your thing, and and we appreciate you uh, showing us what a day in the life is like, you know, and, and your backstory as well. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you, man. I'm stoked that you're out there doing your amazing thing and, and bringing other grows together and sharing knowledge, and people need, you know, to, to work as, as together to help, you know, this is going to sound funny. Fight the man because when it comes down to it, uh, at the end of the day, they still want control of it. But if if you're just doing your thing and you're spreading the love and the knowledge, people can become their own farmers and stay out of the whole whole cor corporate gig of it all and provide some amazing, amazing stuff for this planet and for the communities that they're in. 100%, man. Well, we appreciate you. Growcast uh, is a big fan of Molokai, Kevin. So you you take care, my friend. Anything you need from us, you let us know. Definitely. And anything I could do, like I said, man, I'm it's a, it's an honor to be on your show. 
it's an honor to share whatever whatever knowledge I have. I mean, there's everybody can learn from each other. You know, that's the crazy thing. Some people think they, you know, might be narrow sided, but you can learn anything from anybody. Somebody has something good, even bad to teach you. You know what I mean? Um, it's an awesome, it's an awesome place, and and it's awesome for you to give me the opportunity to talk and and be out there. And anytime that I would love, you know, at any time to be on your show and your listeners. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah. Stories, and yeah. It's thank you so much. You're awesome. And your audience is awesome. Definitely a, a member favorite, everybody. Malachi Kevin, uh, quickly a legend in the Growcast community. All right, man, you take care of yourself. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show here. And uh, again, anything you need from Growcast, you just holler. Thank you one more time, Kevin. Today was awesome. You're welcome. Thank you. It was awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you, members. Like I said, make sure to follow everything we do. See all the action at growcastpodcast.com slash action. You'll hear all about it after the show. Be safe out there, everybody. This is Jordan River and Malachi Kevin signing off. We'll see you later. Grow smarter. Aloha. That's our show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know you loved chatting and hanging out with Malachi Kevin, a good friend of mine. Before we wrap it up, Find out everything we're doing in the Growcast universe at growcastpodcast.com slash action. There you can check out our master classes. We're doing tours all over. We are doing Growcast Seed Co., of course. Membership is currently closed for registration, but we might be opening up to some of you. Make sure to email us if you want to apply to get in. Contact at growcastpodcast.com. Right now, we're keeping our community a little insular. But see everything we're doing. We got some awesome classes coming up. We have some seed code drops about to hit. So make sure to follow us. Follow us on Instagram at Growcast. Stay tuned. You can also get on our green list, which is our free email list. We're going to be doing some more giveaways there. Be ready for that. And stay tuned, everybody. Some awesome content headed your way. All right. That's all for today. Thank you so much. I appreciate all of you. And we'll see you next time on Growcast. Bye-bye. He's like, Kevin, before we start this conversation one more time, let me tell you, agriculture is political in the state of Hawaii.